0: Today I'm going to talk to you about something that I uh, didn't really want to talk to you about. I planned on talking to you about something else, but I think we have to talk about what we're going to talk about today to get to what I wanted to talk to you about, so that may come next week, because uh, i got two very important people in my life that have been um, speaking to me about being too long-winded. It's Jesse and Pastor Bruce, so <laughs> I respect both of their opinions. So, so I may cut it off and, and give you the rest of it next week. We'll see. I don't want to overfeed you. I don't want y'all to become spiritual gluttons. All right. <laughs> so, all right. So today we're going to be in Matthew 20. If you're turning with me, you can go ahead and turn there. But I want to talk to you about grapes. And, time. and I want to remind you that our God is not stuck in time. Now go ahead and start thinking about that and get it in your mind because there are some things we're going to talk about that you need to have that fresh in your mind. God's not stuck on a timeline. He is. Like God, He can see your future because He's there. He's already in the future with you. He's in the past. He's, he's not stuck. Like, and it's, I think it's so hard for us to get that in our mind because as humans, we are stuck on a timeline for now. I don't know. Technology changes a lot and things change. And hopefully before I die, I mean, there may be space travel. and No. I'm talking about space first, then I'll talk about time travel. <laughs> space travel is where I'm thinking about like on my 60th wedding anniversary, I'll take Jesse to Mars and stuff like that. Be pretty cool. It's not always about what you want. <laughs> um <laughs> So Maybe they'll come up with time travel. Maybe you'll be able to like go to your call your travel agent and go to another time. Right? Maybe I I'm, I'm think I'm getting off track. I don't remember what I was saying. Oh, we're stuck on a timeline, right? We're alive here today. We live here now. But God doesn't. And God can speed up time, so to speak. You know, there are certain laws that time has that God's bigger than. Don't let, me not, let me not get ahead. We'll Let's get back to my notes. You can't control miracles. You know that? And the more you try to control a miracle, the more frustrated you will become. And you probably won't see that miracle that you're praying and begging God for. Why? Because you've tried to control it. If you could control a miracle, it wouldn't be a miracle. You can't control miracles. You can't control restoration. You can't control other people. Trust me, I've tried. And I'm sure you have too. Because we want to be able to just fix things and control other people and control their reactions to what's happened. Like You're not that big or that smart and neither am I. You can't control people. The more you try, the harder it gets. You'll be frustrated. So stay in your lane. Set the stage. That's what you can do. You can set the stage for the main event. Do your best and forget the rest. If we all do what we're good at or what we're called to, we will be more effective and more effectively show God to the world. But if you're trying to do what I'm called to do and I'm trying to do what you're called to do and I'm trying to control six or eight of y'all, make y'all do what I think y'all need to be doing, we're not effective. See, I'm not focused on... Being in my lane and doing what I'm supposed to do, I'm focusing on all of y'all's lanes, and then I'm not as effective as I'm called to be. And the same goes for you. You're focusing on everything the Pastor is doing wrong. You're gonna have a lot to focus on, but you're not gonna be effective in your lane. You're focusing on mine. Thanks for all the hands. I really appreciate that. It's a boost to my confidence. <laughs> we got to learn to stay in our lanes if we want to be effective and be more effective at showing God to the world. If you sit around on your job worried about getting fired all the time. Oh, God, they're going to fire me. Oh no, You sit around worried about being fired all the time. Guess what? It's going to affect, to affect the way you do your job, and eventually you will get fired. That's what's going to happen. Imagine working at the unemployment office. Even if you get fired, you got to go back the next day. (laughs) Do what you're called to do, and your gift will make room for you. God's given you giftings. He's given you talents. He's given you things that you're good at. And if you will do what you're called to do, then your gift will make room for you, right? Your gift will complement the direction that God's got you going. Trust me. Do what you're called to do. And remember that God can multiply the time. See, we'll get weary in doing what God's called us to do and not want to keep walking in obedience because a lot of times it's that slow and steady walk in the same direction and we'll be like but but, but i'm getting too old god i i mean it's taken too long i should have been there by now Why, why have i not seen the dream realized why why have i not gotten a spouse why have i not and you fill in the blank whatever your dream is your hope is the thing that you feel like god's called you to that you haven't seen happen yet your miracle, your dream, your hope, whatever. If we forget that God can multiply time, then we'll panic. We'll jump ship. We'll say, man, I've been obeying for 13 minutes and I hadn't seen it yet. I can't keep doing this. Some of us, 13 years, right? Some of y'all. 130 years. I don't how long you've been walking in obedience and you hadn't seen it yet. Keep on because God can multiply the time. I'm going to read you a story, and you've probably heard this story. And I've heard this story preached before, but I've never heard it this way, right? Until this week. This is a parable that Jesus gave. And it's in response to a question. But listen to this parable. Matthew 20, verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man, that is, a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day cheapo that was a lot more then for a penny a day I want you to just notice there I'm not going to spend much time on it because we're going to talk about it in a minute but where it says a penny a day not an hour they didn't settle on an hourly wage You need to remember that in a minute for a penny a day he sent them into his vineyard and he went out about the third hour or that's 9 a.m. And he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said unto them, go ye also into the vineyard. And whatsoever is right, I will give you. Whatsoever is right means whatever you deserve. Right At the end of the day, whatever you deserve, whatever you've earned, I will give you. Whatsoever is right, I will give you. And they went their way. Verse 5, again, he went out about the 6th hour, that's 12 o'clock. And the ninth hour, that's 3 o'clock. And he did likewise. He found more people at 12 o'clock, sent them to work in the vineyard. At 3 o'clock, he found more people to work, sent them into the vineyard. Found others standing idle, and he said unto them, Why stand you here all day, idle? And they said unto him, Because no man hath hired us. And he said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall you receive. You'll get what you deserve, or what you earn. Verse 8. So when the evening was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers, and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. Now, notice, some of these people had only been there for an hour. They worked for an hour. They got called at 5 o'clock. Quitting time was 6. And they went in and worked. and, And he called them and he told them, hey, he told his servant, hey, pay the ones that have only been here for an hour. Pay them first. Work your way up to the ones that have been here all day long working in the heat. And they came that were hired about the 11th hour. They received every man a penny. But when the first came they supposed that they should have received more and they likewise received every man a penny they all received a penny and, and I'm sure you've heard of that parable before if not it goes on to say those got real upset because the people that were there all day were so upset because people that were there a whole lot less time seemed to get the exact same thing as them they got rewarded the same amount as them and so We assume that they get the same money, but they didn't do the same work. But today, I want to just change the way you think about it and ask you a question. Could it be possible that they got the same wage because they did do the same work? If you go back and look at the wording, those couple things I just pointed out, that was the wording of you're getting paid by the job. Is it possible that somebody worked all day long and harvested the same amount of grapes as somebody that came in and did it in one hour and made the same money? It is possible. Never really thought about it when I read, the, when I read that parable. And then I started looking up some stuff that I thought was pretty interesting. See, they could have been paid by the job. Sometimes they would have been paid to harvest the grapes because they need to get it done quickly. So, when they're perfect ripeness, they're the perfect sweetness, however they determine, then they need to get it done quickly, is why he would have gone out and hired people. And sometimes they would pay by the acre or they would pay by the pound of everyone that you could harvest and bring in they could weigh it and pay you that way so I did some looking into it and this is from a vineyard in California from this past year talking about different crews and harvesting grapes so they say a crew of nine good pickers So you would hire a crew that would come in, it would be 10 people, but one of them would be a supervisor that would walk around making sure they were doing a good job. So nine of them would actually be workers. So nine good pickers can pick 25 tons or 50,000 pounds of grapes in a 10-hour day. Nine guys, 50,000 pounds of grapes in a day. I say they're good at it, they're called to it. They've dedicated their lives to focus on getting better at it, quicker at it. I bet they can't walk straight because you're bent over the whole day, and up and down and up and down. And when you read about it, it's a very strenuous, hard job because of that. And to be competitive and to be able to pick that many grapes, It said in the article that I was reading, you have to be at a very fast walk and most of them to keep up with how many grapes they need to pick in a day have to jog through the vineyard, down the rows, up and down, up and down, clipping grapes and throwing them in the container with a headlamp on because they start before the sun comes up. And the supervisor comes behind them to see if they're missing grapes, if they're crushing grapes, or if they're tearing up the leaves. It sounds like a very good job to me. So they can get 50,000 pounds in a 10-hour day. Nine guys. So if you split it up, that's roughly 5,550 pounds per man. Or approximately... 45 clusters per minute. Per minute. 45 clusters of grapes a minute. Each man. And they must not crush the fruit or snag the leaves. So that's about 550 pounds of grapes an hour that they can pick without crushing them or messing up the leaves or the vines. So the weight of those it would come out I brought this bucket in here so you guys could see. You see this? This is a 5-gallon bucket. So that would equal to between 23 and 25 5-gallon buckets full of grapes an hour. That's a lot of buckets. 23 to 25 of these buckets right here full of grapes. I bet some of you couldn't pick that many grapes in a day. Eight hours, 10 hours. Or if you did, it would be a good, pretty hard day's work. You know how much bending over you would have to do and up and down and run up and down the things and you probably wouldn't be running and your cardio is not that good and your knees would be hurting and you'd, I mean... Most people aren't physically conditioned to pick that many grapes. So could it be that if I hired you to pick grapes for me and you went through the orchard and you picked 25 buckets, but then I hired one of these experienced guys that does it every day and knows what he's doing and is in tip top shape, he could come in and pick 25 buckets in one hour from five to six o'clock. He could have 25 buckets the same as you've had all day. I think that's what Jesus was talking about. That they came in and did the work that took those guys all day, and some of them it took six hours, and some of them three hours, and some of them in one hour. They were so effective that they brought in as much harvest in an hour as it took some people ten hours all day. I guarantee you that some of you would be very proud of picking 23 buckets in a day. Oh man, I'm wore out. I've been working my butt off out here. My back is killing me. You would be proud of it. Some people can do it in one hour. You see like, It might take me all day to go fix somebody's air compressor, cause I'd have to watch like 20 YouTube videos and get shocked three or four times and try. It might take me a whole entire day to fix it, but Nathan, who does that for a living, maybe I could go in and fix their air compressor in an hour, less than an hour. Why? Because that's what he's called to do. That's what he's trained to do and knows how to do. He has more knowledge than me in that area. He's prepared to do it. We could apply it to all different areas. Remember in the scripture where David says, Better is one day. In your courts. Better is one day in the courts of our God than a thousand days elsewhere. Than one thousand days elsewhere. And then that that got me thinking of, you know, like um one day to God, Bible tells us one day to God is like a thousand days to us. So that's a second that's another time in the Bible where it's compared like a thousand days is like one of God's days. So better is one day in your course than a thousand days elsewhere. A thousand days is approximately two and a half years. Would be a thousand days. So one day with God, one day in God's presence, in God's court, getting downloads from God and instructions from God and and one day with God can accelerate you what would take two and a half years of you trying to do it on your own you trying to make it make something happen make the miracle happen do it because you can do it you can do a lot let's face it there are a lot of things you can do without God you can make stuff happen but it might take a long time and it might wear you out and it might break you down where, if you would choose to come into his presence, he can do a miracle. Time is nothing to our God. You spend one day with him, and he can fast forward you two and a half years. One day with God can set up the next two and a half years. I need a miracle. God, I need a miracle in my family. I need a miracle in my marriage. I, God, I need a miracle on my job. God, I need a miracle in my church. What, okay, here's what to do. Look at John 2. John 2. Jesus hadn't done any miracles up to this point. Nothing. Or nothing that we know of. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples. So he hadn't done any miracles. He hadn't done anything to prove that he's God or he's the Messiah or he's the sent one. He's just a dude with a whole bunch of rough buddies that follow him around. His little crew, his little posse. And they all show up to a wedding. They show up to the marriage. And when they, who's the they? The disciples, I think. When they wanted wine, hey man, where's the wine? Hey Jesus, where's the wine? The mother of Jesus said unto him, they have no wine. Now, I've always just kind of skimmed over that, but when I read it this week, I was thinking, well, who's the they? Maybe the disciples. This would explain Mary's attitude in the rest of this when she's like, Jesus, you better do something about it. And he's like, Woman, my hour's not yet come. This would explain it. Where she's like, The invitation said, Jesus, not 13 dudes looking for more wine. There's not enough wine here for you and this big group of disciples you brought with you, your homies. This would explain Mary's attitude. You know, we've read it before and been kind of puzzled. Like, what, what What was that? Mary's boldness. She knew who he was. I'm trying to see where I was. They have no wine. Verse 4, Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? What does this have to do with me that they're out of wine? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said unto the servants, she ignored him. He said, well, what does this have to do with me, Mom? It's not time. It's not time for me to do a miracle. I'm not ready. It's not time. Mary ignored him, looked at the servants, and said, do whatever he tells you. And then you know what? Mary's part in the story is over. She went and sat down and enjoyed the wedding. Done. She did what she could do. And she didn't try to control the miracle. She spoke it. She said what could happen and what was about to happen. And then she obviously had some authority over the servants because she told them, whatever he says to do, do it. And then she went and sat down. She enjoyed the wedding. She lived life. Set the stage for Jesus. That's what she did. She set the stage for his first miracle. She set the stage to start his ministry. She didn't do the miracle. But she set him up. She gave him what he needed. The servants, part of what I want, and a push. See, that's part of what I wanted to preach about was good leadership, and that's part of it. Sometimes that kick, the kick out of the nest, the push. Even Jesus needed a push. So number one, she called it out. She spoke it. Number two, she did what she could, and then she got out of the way. Some of y'all are still trying to control a miracle. Newsflash. If you can control it, it's not a miracle. If you can control it, you can make it happen. That's real nice, but it's not a miracle. It's not going to be amazing or spectacular or God. You know, it takes months, months, years To make wine, you want better wine? It's gonna take more time. And we know from reading this story that Jesus turned a bunch of water into wine that fast. Good wine. The Lord of the Feast said, You save the best until now. You save the best until right now. See, because if you'll get out of the way and let God accelerate your miracle, then he can take what could take years. He could take what would take months and years and years to come to pass in your life. And how'd that happen so fast? Man, I feel like I've been waiting on that for the last 20 years and then all of a sudden in one month it all happened. How? Maybe you finally let go. Maybe you realized I've done all I can do. Now if you haven't done all you can do, if you haven't told the servants to help Jesus, or then maybe you're waiting on doing that. But Once you've done what you can do, let go. Time's not an issue. It takes months to make good wine, years to make good wine, but not for Jesus. Remember that scripture that says, I will restore the years that the locust has eaten. And I know that some of you feel like there's been some years in your life that the locusts have eaten, right? They're wasted. They're gone. Maybe they were wasted on a job or wasted in a marriage or wasted at a church. Hopefully not here. But you feel like there are years that that you wasted. Maybe they were wasted in addiction. Maybe they were wasted. I mean, there's all different ways. We probably all feel like there are years that we're just eaten up by locusts. God says he will restore the years. He can restore the years that were wasted. Well, it's December. And I still hadn't accomplished my New Year's resolution. So I guess I'll just put it on the list for 2020. Why? Man, you still got about 3 more weeks. God can do it. Time doesn't matter. Would well, you think God doesn't have enough time to do whatever you were asking for? Time doesn't matter to him. Man, he can do in 3 weeks a whole lot more than you can imagine in a year. Faith says there's still 3 weeks, so you're telling me there's a chance. Right? Sometimes faith looks dumb. It's alright. God can do it. Keep knocking. Don't give up. Don't give up on what He told you. Believe it. Trust Him. Keep on knocking. I'm going to close in Acts. I'm going to read you. So last week I talked to you about this story in Acts. Um, You'll remember so we won't read the whole story. But it's where... Peter and James were locked up. They were locked up in jail. And all the church was praying for them because they were huge and instrumental in the church and in the the building and the making of the church. And so all the church was having this prayer meeting where they were praying without ceasing, nonstop praying for them. And James got his head chopped off by Herod. You ever feel like your prayers didn't work? Like they were praying for Pastor James and Herod chopped off his head. That's discouraging, right? I mean, that's kind of upsetting. So you know what they did? Kept on praying for Peter even more without ceasing. All night, they're locked up in a house praying. They're praying for Peter, and he's laying in a jail cell naked to sleep, with a whole bunch of guards around him watching him, and an angel comes in and kicks him and says, Get up and put on some clothes and walks him out, and lets him go. In verse 11, And when Peter was come to himself, see, he thought it was a dream. He said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel, and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod. And from all the expectation of the people of the Jews, And when he had considered the thing he came to the house of Mary the mother of John whose name was Mark where many were gathered together praying and as Peter knocked remember that scripture we looked at a couple weeks ago where Jesus said knock and the door will be opened unto you keep on knocking Knock, seek, and you will find good or bad. Knock, and the door will be open. Go knock on, there's some doors you don't want to be open. But I promise, if you keep on knocking on them, they're going to be open. Good or bad. Both ways. We talked about seeking. You'll find, if you're seeking bad, you're seeking negative, you're seeking, you're going to find it. But if you're seeking good, you're seeking life, you're seeking God. So what doors are you knocking on? And as Peter knocked, At the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she recognized his voice from inside the door. So obviously, he wasn't just knocking. If she recognized his voice, now I don't know if he's yelling or, Hello, it's me, Peter. Can somebody open the door? I don't know how long he was knocking. The whole church was in there praying. And the answer to their prayer was standing outside the door knocking. Answer. The miracle that they were praying for. He had been saved and angels set him free and he was outside the door knocking. Check out what happened. And when she saw Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness. She got so happy she didn't open the door. What? Hey, it's Peter. I just heard him. And she ran away and left him standing out there knocking. He doesn't know you heard him. He's still outside knocking. He's probably about to walk away. Let's finish reading it. And we're done. The gate for gladness. But ran in, so she turned around and ran back in the house. And she told how Peter stood before the gate. Hey, guys, stop praying. What we've been praying for is outside. The miracle we've been believing God for, he's outside knocking. Peter's out there. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. You're a crazy person. Please be quiet. We're trying to pray for Peter. It's not the miracle. She constantly affirmed that it was even so. Yes, it is. It's him. I heard him. I heard his voice. He's out there. Then said they, It is his angel. I guess they chopped his head off too. <laughs> you ever feel like that? Like you get disappointed because you were praying for James and he got killed. So now it's that much harder for you to believe that God's going to answer your next prayer because the last dude I was praying for died. So I guess this one will too. <laughs> kind of where they were. Like, yeah, oh, it must be his angel if you heard his voice. He's dead too. Dang it. Any of that chili left? That part's not in the Bible. I put that in there. Verse 16. But Peter continued knocking. Peter kept knocking. He said, hello. It's me. I'm your miracle. You are my miracle. You praying set me free. But I'm what you've been praying for. And he kept knocking. He continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. She's not crazy. He really is here. As I close the service today, I just want to tell you, keep knocking. You may be the answer to somebody else's prayer. What if Peter would have just quit knocking and walked off? Well, they won't open the door. I know they heard me. I heard footsteps. I know she was in there. I'm done. I've tried with that relationship. I know they heard me. They won't open the door. Won't let me in. That's fine. Plenty of people that will open the door for me. We'll go on to another door. Right? We get these attitudes and we'll quit knocking on a door that we're supposed to knock on. We'll give up on a call. We'll give up on a purpose because it's not happening as fast as we thought it would. God's not stuck in time, God can multiply time. If you will stay obedient, If you'll keep on knocking, if you'll keep on walking, keep on stepping. Set the stage. I want to keep going, but we're not. We're going to pray. God. God, thank you. Thank you because I believe you're real. And your word is life and that you're speaking to our hearts and our minds. God, I believe that you've given us something to chew on. God, I believe that you've spoken a word to our souls today. And I believe you got more. So we're going to chew on that and digest that. And we're going to pray and let you speak to our hearts and our minds. We're going to be reminded today that you're not stuck on a timeline. And we're going to come back next week hungry for the next portion. God, reveal grace to us in a new way. All of grace. Not just saving grace. God, we love you. Thanks for loving us. Thank you for grace and mercy. Thank you that you're the God of new beginnings. We don't need a second chance. We need a new beginning. Begin again. God, we love you. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.